0: Hi, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and welcome to Games on Film. Joining us on another episode of Games on Film, the podcast where we celebrate video game movies. Mm. <laughs> we do celebrate them. Is that our new slogan? It I don't is. Know.
1: I think we are celebrators here. And what better film to celebrate than Wing Commander? In uh, I think is is it the weekend or a release of uh, Solo: A Star Wars Story? Yes. So Solo: A Star Wars Story is out this week. Yeah, it came out last weekend, I think. And um, I don't think that film would exist without Wing Commander... Blazing a Trail. Blazing a Trail. It's very much a pioneer, a pilgrim perhaps, um, in sci-fi cinema. Um, Based, of course, on the video game franchise, the Wing Commander franchise, uh, which started... um, What was the first game release?
0: I think it was maybe 1990 or thereabouts. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, We... Didn't
1: own any copies, I think, of Wing Commander when Rory and I were growing up, but we've done a bit of research, we've watched a whole lot of the, the games on YouTube, and some gameplay, and of course, what really put the series on the map, the later games, is the the FMV cutscenes with the all-star
0: cast. And, and what cast was in the these FMV cutscenes, Rory? Uh, so from Wing Commander 3... And four, in the leading role, you have Luke Skywalker himself, mm-hmm. Mark Hamill, and you have Salah himself, Gimli, John <laughs> John Reese davies or or Professor Maximilian Arturo from Sliders, as is probably best known. If
1: you ever met John Reese davies um, which role would you want to ask him about?
0: It would go Sliders, Raiders, Ringers. And which role do you think you'd want to talk about? Ringers. <laughs> And joining John Rhys-Davies is Malcolm McDowell Mm -hmm. and Tom Wilson from the Back to the Future Oh yeah, Biff.
1: But we're not going to see those guys in this (laughs) film, um, because Wing Commander, the movie stars... uh, I was going to say an all-star cast. (laughs) a semi-star cast, they're they're, they're rising stars, I think, more accurately, when the film came out. Yes. who's in Wing Commander, the movie, Rory.
0: So, um... We have Freddie Prinze Jr., mm-hmm. Saffron Burroughs, mm-hmm. Matthew Lillard. Brilliant. Uh, Chechy Charo, Jürgen Prochnow, David Suchet. Yep. I mean, the list goes on. I know. It was a shame that they didn't
1: decide to um, act as Mark Hamill. Perhaps Freddie Prinze Jr. doing a great Luke Skywalker impression would have been quite interesting.
0: Well, I, well during our research... We mentioned we hadn't really played the games so much, though I was kind of aware of them because we did... We, we were more like, in terms of growing up and playing games, playing more like Nintendo consoles and that kind of thing, but we did dabble in PC mm-hmm. gaming a little bit as well, as we mentioned in our Doom episode, playing quite a lot of first-person shooters. So we would get the occasional PC magazine, and I remember like seeing the Wing Commander 3 and Wing Commander 4 promotional material Mm. the adverts and always seeing Mark Hamill and glowering and sort of thinking oh how Mark has fallen well I mean it's very much a where I mean that when we now know
1: what a fantastic voice actor Mark Hamill is and human being but uh, at the time um only proper geeks would know Mark Hamill was voicing the Joker and all these uh, roles and um when he appeared in these FMV sequences, it was very much a, oh, where are they now? He He's in Wing Commander. But so I watched the videos of Wing Commander 3, and there's very little gameplay. There's it's like 10-15 minutes, I think, before anything happens. And there's a lot of games like that. And it was just very exciting to have full motion video in of itself. But I think these, aims, these games may not have aged terribly well. Um, let's go um, back to him.
0: Just before I go on to that, what I was saying was I was watching this interview with mm-hmm. Mark Hamill because mm-hmm. he was um, talking about his experience on Wing Commander games. Oh, brilliant. Because he was shooting at the time uh, some motion capture for Star Citizen, which is a uh, game currently in development, crowdfunded, and from the maker of Wing Commander. And we'll get onto the backstory of that in a little bit. But he was talking about how in the movie version, he was being portrayed as a younger version of himself by Freddie Prinze Jr. Mm. So he sort of said that's how it's set. I don't think the film shares any of the continuity. But in terms of Freddie Prinze Jr.'s performance, I don't think they were necessarily taking notes from each other. I think they're sort of nominally the same characters, but I don't think there's any attempt to lock it into the continuity of the uh, the Wing Commander games, No, I, as it were. Yeah, I mean,
1: going into this film, before I actually watched it, I was definitely under the impression that they got rid of all the video game cast because they wanted recognisable faces or up-and-coming people and things. It seemed like an attempt to get the teens interested. Yeah, but I think the plot is all about, we'll get onto the main plot in a moment, or try to at least but the plot of the film are rookie pilots and with the best will in the world I don't think Mark Hamill could pull off a rookie pilot anymore nor I think he would want to return to the big screen as a sort of Diet Coke version of Luke Skywalker so
0: yeah um, his voice does show up (laughs) well that was the thing because also in the same interview Uh he also mentions that there's a question about oh do you like do you still like sci-fi and that kind of thing obviously you've spent your career fairly heavily involved in sci-fi and he mentions that he's a huge fan of the universal classic monster movies oh. and as part of it He's also talking about his role as the Joker. Mm. And he was saying, Oh, I wouldn't get the role as the Joker because people will know it's Mark Hamill and people would associate it with Luke Skywalker. So he was telling his agent, Oh, can you just mark me down as a question mark? Oh. Just like Boris Karloff was the <laughs> monster in Frankenstein. But So this in, is this
1: is in the credits of the film.
0: But is... in yes, but in the credits of Wing Commander the voice he provides is for an inboard computer called Merlin, mm-hmm. and that's just credited as a big question mark mm-hmm. a la Karloff yeah, himself. It didn't work because we know it's him. Yes. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a cute little moment because the onboard guidance computer that he plays does a little don't-switch-off-your-guidance-system oh, sort of, yes. you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi Call style, back. which is a cute little touch. Mm. I mean, just talking about the game cast compared to the movie cast... I did sort of spend the movie thinking I'd much rather be watching the cast from the games. The the game cast is just a bit more more interesting actors. And obviously they're playing to certain kind of nerd touchstones Mm. in a way, which is to draw the audience in. It's like, oh, that guy from Raiders of the Lost Art, that guy from Star Wars, that guy from Back to the Future. I mean, I did keep
1: expecting Malcolm McDowell to walk angrily around the corner, but he never did. Perhaps he did, like, when the camera wasn't looking. <laughs> so, where's my paycheck? I was playing this role. I originated the role of, um. what was his character called? Admiral Tolwyn. Yeah, that's probably why he didn't get the role. He couldn't remember his character name.
0: But um, Admiral Tolwyn in, in the movie version is portrayed by David Warner. Yes. And David Warner appears in a Wing Commander spin-off oh. game called Privateer 2, which probably has the most bonkers FMV game cast possible it stars clive owen mm-hmm. when he was kind of pre-famous this was made in about 1996
1: was this not the role which made him famous no but <laughs>
0: although he was in a recent um i say recent maybe four years ago Reddit uh, ama and someone brought up his role in this wing commander spin-off mm-hmm. he was very complimentary with it he said there was a great cast had a very good time and it was one of the first times I... that Video game, uh, video games had done this kind of FMB stuff. I
1: think I must have seen that footage of him, but I'm going to find it right away after we finish recording this. So
0: it's Clive Owen, yep. John Hurt, mm-hmm. Christopher Walken, nice, and uh, the aforementioned David Warner, and also Jürgen Prochnow. Who also oh. appears in the Wing Commander movie too? Okay,
1: and um, on the acting scale, <laughs> how over, how much over the
0: acting scale are they? They're all actually pretty decent. the main The main letdown from the F and I saw was that it just looked so cheap. At least with the the Wing Commander three and four, mm-hmm. four actually uses some real sets from okay. the clips I saw. Three uses a lot of green screen. But this just was the Privateer 2 game seemed to be filmed and it was apparently filmed at Pinewood Studios. So there's a largely kind of British cast, but it sort of looks like a mid-90s British TV sci-fi show. Filmed on
1: on an abandoned quasar. Well,
0: yeah, a little bit. Everyone just looks, uh, it just looks very, very cheaply put together. More so than... Not like the film we're going to talk about today. Not like the film we're talking about today.
1: The the games we um, were I suppose as as you can obviously tell we are more familiar with the cutscenes than the games themselves. I mean it was were very exciting watching you know, movies, games, and videos on the telly, and they, they, you suddenly got real actors on your computer screen. How amazing! Um, but I did watch a good old playthrough of Wing Commanders One and Two, and I can I can certainly say if I had owned. A PC capable of playing Wing Commander One and Two back in the day, I think would would have would this would have been one of my favourite ever games. I'm very much into space combat type stuff. I'm a big Star Fox geek, and um, X fing versus Tie Fighter was very popular with my friends. So I can certainly see the potential for a um, a decent movie in the DNA of this game.
0: Yeah, because I I asked a few friends as well, um, just speculatively to see. Whether they had played the games, and, and a few of them had and all had very fond memories of the early games. And I mean, for Wing Commander 1 and 2, even before they introduced FMVs, they had very detailed graphics with the cut mm. sequences and sounded really good. And it just looked like a pretty um, slick, interesting title. Mm. So, the year is
1: 1999, the series is very popular best-selling series, and it was all orchestrated by a chap called Chris... Roberts. Chris Roberts. I saw a lot of his games, it said a Chris Roberts game, and when you look at the, the credits of the video games themselves, I mean, the games start like movies with credits, and Chris's name shows up a heck of a lot. Rather, reminded me of The Room, um, with Tommy <laughs> Wizzo's name appearing everywhere
0: and it's clear that he his name became synonymous with these games and clearly that cachet has continued as i mentioned that star citizen game was one of the most crowdfunded games in history and it's it's still in development it still hasn't been released but it's raised millions and millions and millions of dollars presumably because You know, Wing Commander was such a huge um, Mm. deal for a lot of people. So on the name
1: alone, he was such, I guess, an auteur of the games, as it were, that he's become... I I can't think of any other video game creator who has gone on to direct the movie Mm. of their video game. I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of Japanese video game developers or anime directors, but I've got a sneaking suspicion... That maybe there is an anime, uh, CG or otherwise, which is directed by uh, maybe a Final Fantasy director or something?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's uncommon, for Mm. sure. I guess with the Wing Commander games, there's some degree of transferable skills because Mm. of the heavy use of cinematic cutscenes. But the Mm. only thing I could think of, maybe in terms of a Western big budget production, was... um, the creator of the Prince of Persia games, Jordan Mechner, I want to say. Yeah. Um, he wrote the story for the movie. But again, that's not the same as handing the reins of a of a big budget no. production.
1: I mean, I've, I've already mentioned how we were quite impressed at the time with the FMV sequences or Wing Commander 3 and 4 because it was so fresh and exciting and, you know we were idiot kids I and mean, we didn't know better <laughs> but looking at these sequences now how good are they do you think how well are they written and how well are they actually acted if you set aside the excitement of of, of the time if you were like a film a big time film producer and you saw these fmv sequences would you really hand the reins over to him and
0: say that's our guy i think Possibly at the time, no, but now having watched the Wing Commander movie, I'm sort of more interested to watch the FMV cut sequences rather than,
1: Mm. I don't know. Would you sit there, I think there is an existence, the entire sequences back to back, so would would you want to sit down Mm. and watch Mark Hamill walk from stage left into the centre of the room where um,
0: Malcolm McDowell is looking into a blinking light to represent
1: a computer screen.
0: I mean, probably not all in one go. They're not the most excitingly framed uh, shots, Mm. I don't think. But I think looking at them now, there's a layer of nostalgia for that FMV aesthetic, Mm. which is gone Mm. nowadays. It's Um, all
1: about integrating the story into the gameplay, isn't it? Yes. Which works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, sometimes it is a bit frustrating being forced down the linear path. So you have to kind of hold your stick down and and look where the game wants you to look and things. So sometimes it is nice to sit down and watch a little movie unfold, which you've unlocked and things. As as long as your mum doesn't walk in while you can't pause it. Yeah, in fact, talking
0: through the cutscene <laughs> 17 hours this boss took me all night to try and kill We might be seeing a bit of a resurgence of the FMV game through mm. indie developers. I don't think any will match the same production values and, and level of um, actors as was the case with the Wing Commander mm. games at the time
1: Colonel Part of the reason we're in Karathi space is because of your flying. You've done the victory proud Now As you may have heard on the grapevine, we're here to destroy this system's military garrison. We're gonna have to fight through several waypoints. The enemy's spread out with patrols everywhere. Any ship that can escape to the jump point will be able to alert the rest of the Karathi to our presence here. And that would mean we'd have to scrap this entire offensive You need to nail Every last one of them, Colonel. Consider them nailed, sir. love
0: that boy spunk and with chris roberts you've got this transition then from games maker to filmmaker basically the creator of the games directed the movie big screen movie version of his own titles uh he also went on to become a film producer in his own right after wing commander he produced the punisher Mm -hmm. movie with thomas jane okay i was gonna ask which one No, not Warzone, not our our favourite. So he produced that. He also produced Lord of War, the Nicolas Cage movie, Mm -hmm. and uh, Lucky Number Sleven, which is best remembered because it's got the name Lucky Number Sleven.
1: I've heard... I mean, we'll get into this in the film itself, but I don't think it was an easy film for him to make.
0: No, it sounds like from reports that it was a bit of a compromised Mm. um, set, not, not one man makes a film. <laughs> we've also got
1: um, a few other storied people in the crew. Uh, I noticed in the credits of the film, David Arnold does the themes. Yes. So not the entire music. He's one, it's one of those things where we need good music and also so-so music. So we've got David Arnold doing some of the epic themes of the film. Yes. None of which I can already remember a hum. But about... Well, it
0: was pretty just kind of... Bah, 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 mm. Kind of triumphant trumpet. Sort of, mm. uh, I mean, I'm obviously he's got the
1: James Bond connection. I'm a big Bond fan. Um, I'm not a Stargate fan in the slightest, but his Stargate score, his Stargate theme is very stirring stuff. And I was hoping we might bring some of that to Wing Commander and didn't really seem to do so. We've also got uh, Peter Lamont as production designer, another James Bond uh, is it alumnus or alumni?
0: Alumnus Alumnus. is single, alumni is plural So I
1: was waiting for some of that amazing James Bond production design to appear Didn't really
0: (laughs) No, he did a lot of the Bond films Mm -hmm. and quite a few James Cameron films as well He did Mm. Aliens, Titanic Mm. um... But everyone knows what the Titanic looked like (laughs) Not everyone knows what a true lies looks like Uh, True lies,
1: (laughs) anyway A lot of this film is not really bringing us a game
0: no. I, I I saw... I did watch a little featurette. There was a very brief word with Peter Lamont, and he did say that Chris Roberts, the director, was quite adamant that they didn't use any of the designs from the games. Okay. And wanted to make that separate from the games. And I think that sort of shows mm. in the film. I was reaching for anything recognisable from the
1: the game footage I saw, and I think the only thing I could find was... The shots of the cockpit, because yes. especially in Wing Commander One, the cockpit is is perhaps two thirds of the screen, and I'm sure that was just a technical requirement. Because in the later games, the space and the ships flying around you is more like two thirds. If you don't, if you've not actually ever played the video games, the actual gameplay is entirely from a first person perspective, where you see your hands on the ge- on the joystick flying around. So again, that's it really puts you in there. But um, those shots in the film are few and far between. Most of the film, again, just seems just not as dynamic and visually interesting or exciting as the the FMV footage. looks like a slightly shitty Star Wars.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) according to the bots, it's Starship Troopers meets Top Gun. Ah. And it's uh, lacking any of the satire and entertainment of Mm. Starship Troopers and any of the action and fun of top gun
1: i mean watching this film it came before but it reminded me of a lot of things which came which which like um like the Battlestar galactica uh, remake uh, it reminded me of mass effect and things and i know military science fiction is a story you know, it goes back to you know, the the book starship troopers and possibly beyonds but although i was being a little bit glib uh, beforehand about how this this film was a pioneer. I think in certain ways it I don't know perhaps it shows people what not to do in a way. I mean, I did get a little bit of a thrill out of the the military stuff. It does look a lot like a um, 70s submarine movie, not just because of the massive
0: um, headsets people wore, which you have Jurgen Prochnow from Das Boot. Oh yes, uh, in there, so I feel like maybe that was a choice. It also baffles me they're on a huge massive spaceship. And yet the bridge is got a very low ceiling. It's I mean, I guess it's deliberately claustrophobic because of those moments later mm. on where they are all having to maintain quiet and have radar blips going, but it just sort of seems like like even people's bedrooms have a high ceiling compared to the bridge in this movie. Well I found that seems a bit authentic to me.
1: Why? Yes. <laughs> um I think well, It's authentic to the scene, but it doesn't make any sense. There is one point which he pointed out to me where there's an explosion and David Suchet, the captain, bangs his head on something. Yes. Even though he's he's sitting in a chair in a direct centre
0: of the room. (laughs) So perhaps he banged his head on the ceiling. But it it made me wonder it was also, uh, in terms of poor production choice, or maybe costume choice, they wear these ridiculous beanie hats oh. <sighs> and I sort yes. of wonder maybe maybe that's why they wear them because everyone bangs their head on stuff which no. doesn't
1: exist the hats reminded me of Moonraker because they wear bizarre headgear and that and this is very much a film if there's one takeaway from this entire film it's got costumes I love and costumes I despised <laughs> and the uh, headgear definitely is in the despised column just makes everyone look like a real or... if freddy prince jr wore that stupid fucking space beanie for
0: just a few <laughs> minutes
1: longer i would have just kicked the screen in um they but get but,
0: rid of it but when you said moonraker actually you, you know you were saying it's like 70s submarine mm. kind of stuff but it did remind me of that part in each bond film where it's the crew of a vessel and yep. they're being swallowed by an even bigger ship or something i wouldn't be surprised if that had happened if like a What's that off in the distance?
1: It's a Karathri, um Super Tango. <laughs> it's a Kilrathri Super Tango. Oh, by Jev. Yes. But while we're talking about costumes later on, they wear these glorious red space outfits, which looked fantastic. Yes, they looked plastic, but it really tickled me. Um, they look a bit like skinless human beings. <laughs> um, and at one point, somebody gets shot. But it doesn't really look like they get shot. It looks more like the suit's so bulky, they trip over themselves and fall over. But I won't hold that against the the costume design, so...
0: Well, I, I guess we've sort of started, so maybe we should jump into the film mm. proper. And if you haven't noticed already, we are going to be talking about it in spoilery detail, oh, yeah. as we always do. So mm. if you don't want to know what happens in Wing Commander, mm. stop listening now, but... Maybe we're saving you a lot of time Mm. by just listening to us relay as we try and work out kind of what happens. The story is simple enough, but it's just how people get to the conclusion, which sort of baffled me a Mm. little bit. There were just a few... Quite a few moments where I was getting a little bit like that very annoying person when you watch any movie, saying, "Why are they doing this? Mm. What's happening?" So
1: I'm going to try and I'm not going to do a beat for beat plot in a nutshell, but I'm trying to try and think the gist of the film in a nutshell. It's not really much about wing commanding. It's it's just a lot of people looking at CGI maps, occasionally falling into black holes, and a large hunk of the plot seems to be. Uh, revolving around a Sony Mini Disc um, <laughs> in the space year two thousand the twenty six fifty four.
0: Yes, so it's good to know that that technology has mm. survived about six hundred and fifty years. Yes,
1: they didn't even attempt to hide it. I think they might have put a little sticker on it. But, but yes,
0: it it definitely says Mini Disc. It does. It has the Mini Disc logo mm. on uh, on it. So if things sort of kick off. Well, first it kicks off with, JF- with a speech from JFK. Yes, playing over the opening credits, which sort of looks like an automatically generated movie maker credits mm. sort of uh, package.
1: At the end of the credits, it could have said, the soundtrack's available on CD and the credit making uh, program is also downloadable. Surely the soundtrack would be available on MiniDisc 2. <laughs> MiniDisc 2 sounds like a, diff- a new, the futuristic <laughs> format, meeting, it's like USB 2. But yes, we get a history of the war between humans and the Kilrathi. It starts with JFK, who's unaware of the war that's going to happen in the far future.
0: And in the future, we'll be fighting <laughs> giant space cats. Ich bin ein Kilrathi. <laughs> <laughs> but, so at the start, I was like, why is
1: JFK talking about this space travel? How is this going to be relevant? I realize it's just going to be a, a history of events in a kind of Starship Star Trek Enterprise kind of way. Again, it's a... It's a forebearer to the start of the TV show Star Trek Enterprise, which tells you how humanity reached for the stars. But one of the newscasts talk about meeting the Kurathi, and one thing I got from the video games is that, while the Kurathi, I believe, are definitely the bad guys, you do see a lot of Plot from their perspective. You see them talking amongst themselves. I think the star of Wing Commander 2, one of them's looking out of the window of a space station. So you get big chunks of plot with the Kilrathi. This film is absolutely not interested in the Kira- Kilrathi's motivations. They are just big cat bastards and they want to kill
0: us. They're pretty anonymous bad guys until maybe the last 20 minutes or so. Mm. And then you do see them properly and then you realize oh right yeah that's why you didn't mm. reveal them earlier they only
1: have about 20 seconds of screen time and they're 20 terrible seconds <laughs> um, because in the video games they look fantastic they look like big lions not too dissimilar to dominic west in tomb raider <laughs> <laughs> Which is the callback to episode one. Cowardly line himself. Um, no, so they they look great. I mean, maybe not uh, at the level of the the sort of creature effects you'd get in a Star Wars movie.
0: They look pretty good, and the 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 animatronics on the mm. facial expressions are are not bad for that era, particularly mm. for you know just a, a video game FMV sequence. Yeah,
1: I mean, I was completely blown away by them when I was a kid but they deliberately don't show you the Kurathi, perhaps because the effects are so poor. That is definitely a big question mark. I mean, we talked about a compromised vision. Uh, I think in that interview, we're talking about Freddie Prince Jr. Says um, the script was fantastic uh, when he first read it. And when he arrived on set, him and Matthew Lillard and everyone was given a completely different script. So, one wonders if that's because the script had to be completely re- rewritten without Kilrathi. Who knows? But yes, the, the, the problem with not having the Kilrathi being in the film at all, they are, they are this completely anonymous enemy. And that can certainly work. There's you know, Das Boot, I believe, is a very good example of a film. Yeah, I'm comparing this to Das Boot. Um, very good Where the enemy is unknown, it's just a, a constant threat and it's, it's the, the tension rackets up.
0: Well, I was going to say that about Dunkirk
1: bit like Dunkirk as well,
0: yeah. I mean, maybe in Dunkirk there's just a big reveal at the end where all the kind of German fighter pilots get out of their planes and turns out they're all lions. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Christopher Nolan does it again with an unexpected twist. (laughs) Christopher Nolan is
1: not opposed to a a sort of genre shift in some of his films. So, uh, yeah.
0: As of 6am this morning, we are formally at war with the Kilratty. In the
1: final battle for Earth, a team of untested pilots... Lieutenant J.G., Christopher
0: Blair. Todd, Maniac Marshal. Lieutenant Commander Devereux. ...is our last hope... Did Did you just do that to impress me? ...for survival. Prepare for the jump. Wish me luck. ...gear up... Battle stations, battle stations. ...lock on... Yeah! ...and strike back. That's not bad from 20th Century Fox. Get out, get out! I really don't like this guy at all, man. Freddie Prinze Jr., Saffron Burroughs, Matthew Lillard, Jackie Carrio. I got two more bogeys coming in hot, six o'clock. This year. All right, ladies, let's do it. At the edge of the universe, all hell will break loose. Wing Commander. I love this baby!
1: But we first see the glossy 20th Century Fox logo, and it looks all crisp and clean, and then we see the asteroid belt and the asteroid belt. I thought looked rather nice. This is one of those films which the the last vestiges of classic special effects were, were, were dying out. There's a there's a, there's a bit of CGI in it, not terribly great CGI.
0: <laughs> and, there's a lot of CGI in it, uh, not great CGI. But
1: there's also, I think, one of the first examples of Bullet Time, which was popularised in The Matrix.
0: Yes, this came out about two weeks before The Matrix came out.
1: <laughs> they got two weeks in the sunshine.
0: And I think two months before the Phantom Menace came out. No. Although I don't, th- I think maybe other films had used the effect that is used in here before. What the Matrix did was it's bullet time, but motion at the same time. Whereas mm. this is bullet time, but kind of static. True. Yes. There's
1: something I just liked about uh, some of the effects in this. The the spaceships flying around. It gave me a bit of a red dwarf vibe, I suppose. A bit of classic model work. And I guess I just could forgive it. But it's not all great because the asteroid base itself looked poo. <laughs> and um, it's quickly attacked by Kilrathi
0: fighters. So what do the Kilrathi Kurath- steal? They steal the NAVCOM, mm. which gives its owner, whoever mm-hmm. installs it into their ship, the ability to jump through, I guess, wormholes or something it's equivalent sort of to a, that.
1: It's a sort of a NAVIC computer, I, I guess... I think this is one of these films where uh, my knowledge of other sci-fi kind of bled into this and made certain things confusing, so it's not really a thought of the film. But as I said, the big part of the plot revolves around transporting a mini-disc, a physical mini-disc, to uh, another spaceship called the Tiger's Claw. And they're told to do this by David Warner over video, and you just wonder why can't you beam the data video to video to video...
0: A lot of the problems of this film could be solved by someone just picking up the phone. <laughs> I know that's not what happens in space, but it just seems all about communications, mm. and they're sort of saying we have to get the word to here. That will take four days to get there, and I was like, you're in space. Isn't the point of space that you can go like really fast? I know space is mm. big, but all space movies are just like just warp drive. Well, somewhere. this is
1: what I was talking about. As as I'm a big Trekkie it seems bizarre that you can't telephone Earth in a film. But I think in this universe, they they can't send um, the data places either over just subspace or they, I think they mentioned a drone. They can't send a drone. Yeah. And the same goes for space travel. This Navi computer, I think, makes sort of space travel and space navigation possible. And, and without it, everything's screwed. And, you know, there's a lot of hard science fiction novels which, which deal with this sort of technology. But again, it just feels a little bit messy, a little bit half-baked, and it, I, I I was doing my best to pay attention, but it was uh, it was just a bit wishy-washy.
0: They steal the NAVCOM, and they are then able to use that to transport across star systems in proximity of Earth-space. Mm. The idea being that the Kilraffi finally have the ability to conquer Earth and obviously all the humans don't like that idea. Mm. It sort
1: of leaves a bit of a question mark, which is absolutely a Star Trek flaw, where why isn't Earth got the most defenses? It does seem to be that the Tiger's Claw spaceship is, is always chasing the fleet of the kilrathi or or I guess being chased by by a spaceship. But um yeah, if we start to sound a little bit like we don't know what we're talking about it's because the film is just one of those simple plots but there's a lot going on sort of deals,
0: okay? A simple plot made confusing Mm. by just a lack of clarity and geography and Mm. purpose Mm. for the characters.
1: Yeah, and a lot of things don't happen when they should. For example, the... Navi computer self-destruct is the first thing to stop working.
0: Yeah, and later on there's, oh, I can't eject because my ejection device doesn't work. It seems that basically they solve a problem and immediately hit a new obstacle Mm. every single point of the film. It's like, oh, well, we get here, oh, but we've run out of fuel, so Mm. we need to get more fuel. Oh, now we've got the fuel, we can't (laughs) do this. I feel what this film
1: does a lot
0: is explain
1: why things are going wrong as they're going wrong in, and in this in this in a way that they try to, it's trying to explain a joke um because a lot of the drama doesn't seem to come from from the narrative or the plot there's this whole subplot about uh freddie prince's junior character being a pilgrim or half a pilgrim and it turns out pilgrims were a race of humans which spent centuries in space. And that sort of changed them in such a way where they weren't recognizably human anymore, but they're extremely good at navigating. It turns out that the Navcom device is really just a, a black box version of, of a pilgrim's brain, as it were, because a pilgrim is just so good at navigating space. Um, they were touched by God. They were touched by God. And um, a lot of people hate pilgrims. There's a whole racism thing going on there. But it really doesn't affect the plot or Freddie Princes Jr.'s actions. He says he's half a pilgrim, but displays nothing but sort of being able to um, add in his head really quickly. He can navigate really quickly. He's just not much else, perhaps.
0: It's strange because he spent all of his life clearly being discriminated against for being a pilgrim. Mm. It's explained that way. And it's only during this film that he asked someone, why do people hate pilgrims? Mm. Like, he doesn't think to work it out himself. And also, you know, they explain that, oh, pilgrims tended to think they were gods, tended to think they were superior to mm. humans. There's mention of the pilgrim wars. Mm. And that's meant to suggest some sort of friction. But if you stripped all of that away, it wouldn't change the film or the character in the slightest. There could be some other reason why he's got a kind of... Everyone doesn't like him. Maybe because he's the new guy. Well, what they
1: want is to have the crew not being able to trust him. And I couldn't help but think, you've already got an enemy. You've already got the Kilrathi, the cat people. Why, rather than making him half pilgrim, why not make him half cat... I would have loved to have seen Freddie Prince Junior. looking a bit like Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats, uh-huh. licking himself <laughs> using his litter tray. Um, bath. It would have been a choice. No, bath. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mod. Um, it was, you know, I think that was a missed opportunity because this whole Pilgrims offer. Yeah, it does. As I said earlier, it seemed to be just a little bit of drama ladled in. The dramatic vacuum that this film kinda has.
0: But what's interesting is that the pilgrim stuff is nowhere in the games.
1: Yes, I heard
0: this. It was there's some mention of it kind of introduced later on in I think a future title after the movie. Mm. But at the time of the movie, this whole pilgrim subplot it's an interesting idea. The idea of the first pioneers in space mm. and and that sort of thing. I I, I think that's kind of an Sort of interesting thing to talk about, but I think just just the way it's deployed in the film is just so laboured but yet undercooked at the same time. Well, I... David Warner um, says we need
1: to get this mini disc um, to uh, the Tiger's Claw who need to pursue the Kilrathi. Um, I hope you're following listeners. And they decide to send this uh, data, this mini disc, to um, a spaceship en route to the Tiger's Claw. So the, the the ship is populated by Freddie Prince Jr. A.K.A. Uh, what's his name? C- uh, Chris Blair.
0: Freddie Prince Jr. is playing the Mark Hamill role of Blair. Mm-hmm. Matthew Lillard is playing the Tom Wilson role of Maniac mm-hmm. Marshall. He gets his name Maniac later on. And you have uh, Chetty Cario playing the John Reese davis role of Taggart. But his call sign is Paladin, isn't it? Yes. And John Reese davis
1: plays him in a gloriously Scottish way. He's Scottish in the other two games as well. Um, and so I was really disappointed that Paladin wasn't a Scot. Or perhaps the actor doesn't suddenly turn Scottish halfway through <laughs> the film. So we're on this spaceship and we're just talking about this, this just false drama or false threats because they almost immediately de- you go towards a black hole because Matthew Lillard wasn't really paying attention. Like this sequence and so many other action sequences, I just didn't feel any sort of tension whatsoever. I was as far away as I could be from the edge of my seat I was pressed into the back of my chair.
0: There's <laughs> not much drama when you introduce your characters' five main characters five minutes before mm. and then they say, "Oh well, if we mess this up we might die." Mm. I mean it would be a good Bait and switch, but I don't think this film really had the uh, mm. the balls, let alone the ovaries to, uh, <laughs> yes. to achieve that.
1: Yeah, they do mention balls quite a lot in this. I, I was um, watching one of the later flight sequences, and Matthew Lillard won't stop talking about balls. I just want, imagine if in the Death Star trench run, Luke Skywalker wouldn't shut up about his bollocks, <laughs> <laughs> it would be really distracting. Luke, shut up.
0: For a PG movie, there is quite a lot of sex. Is jad. it PG. PG, according to the DVD box. All right. I wow. think it's rated twelve in Ireland. But... All right. So anyway, they deliver the. They do this space jump. They they yeah, deliver they... the mini disc to Captain David Suchet, and they hang out on the flight deck. And it's at this point where Blair Freddie Prince Jr. Mm-hmm. hops into the cockpit of a of a Rapier. I think. Yes. And sort of just enjoys playing around with the <laughs> joystick. Here's Mark Hamill, speak to him for a brief moment. Oh, yes, so Yes, Mark And um, then we're introduced to Angel Devereux, mm. played by Saffron Burrows. Who was very, very French in the game, and not a little bit
1: French. And very, very English here. Yeah, she's as French as Captain Jean-Luc Picard, <laughs> in that
0: she has a cut-glass English accent. There is quite an international at least sounding cast. I quite liked how there's lights of American voices, British voices, well, maybe some South African, Australian, Yeah, I was trying Scottish, to work
1: out where this English. was filmed and you said Luxembourg. Yes. Um, but again, one thing about the games is that it's an international fleet and that's one thing I did like about this film. It did make it seem more like a worldwide conflict. I mean, my mind casts to Starship Troopers, which is of course a satire, but... um. He's very much an American army, and in Star Wars, at least in the original trilogy, everyone had all the goodies had American accents, all the baddies had British accents, which is something I secretly love, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the new films have ruined the sort of xenophobia against the British in Star Wars, but um,
0: but the thing is, with all these accents clashing around with each other, it does mean that. Do they say lieutenant (laughs) or lieutenant? Yes. Because you have David Suchet being very British and saying, all right, lieutenant, lieutenant. (laughs) But then you have other English accent people saying
1: lieutenant, lieutenant. I know. Do you think um, Chris uh, Bridge came up? Chris Bridge? What's his name? Do you mean Ludacris? No, (laughs) I mean Chris Roberts. Chris Roberts. Do you think Chris Roberts went to David Suchet and said, "Um, David... I think it would be really good if you said lieutenant like everyone else and David said no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will say left-tenant.
0: Well, Chris Roberts, actually, he's American, but he grew up in Manchester. All right, And then moved back to America. So when I saw an interview with him, he's got kind of a, a Mancunian American accent. So okay. maybe it was a bit just like free-for-all. Just yeah. do what you like.
1: I mean, in the future... We have mini discs. You can have any accent you want. Um, You can have men and women nudie pictures on the walls of your uh, rec room, which I noticed, which I thought was nice and balanced. They weren't nudie, actually.
0: There is, is, you know, a certain amount of gender equality Mm. in this, because speaking of lieutenant, lieutenant, captains, commanders, the wing commander, I guess, of the title Mm -hmm. of the film is angel oh, Devereux. Yeah, um so she is the senior officer so chastises lieutenant lieutenant blair about sort of jumping into a a, a fighter mm, a, a dead man's cockpit a dead man's cockpit
1: because um he quickly learns that they do not speak of the people who have died in uh combat which again is another layer of pointless and kind of shitty drama as well.
0: Yeah, they say they never existed if someone died, and it yeah. just means that, even though they said that, every time that was said I got a little bit confused for a brief second, because, you know, one main character dies later on, mm. and then Blair says to Maniac Marshall they never existed, <laughs> and it's just like no, we just saw them, oh no wait that's that cute phrase you use. <laughs> you kind of forgot
1: about their little rule. I mean, it's it's a bit weird, though, because uh, Matthew Lillard, I think, talks about the dead pilot and then almost gets beaten up just for mentioning the name. Yeah. And these people who... And the people are very sensitive because of this rule, how they don't talk of the dead. But they the new guys didn't know that. They're new. What kind of idiot are you? It seemed mm. a little bit
0: unusual. But in terms of the gender equality as well, Devereux... Deborah... Spends the whole film calling everyone ladies. And yes. at first it's like a kind of telling the men off. It's just like, yeah, you're fighting like girls, whatever. But she says it the whole time. And mm. it's sort of... I, I, I couldn't tell whether it was just like a running joke, which was very badly delivered.
1: They'll laugh eventually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or actually a play to sort of make an interesting gender balance statement. Mm chalk that up to
1: maybe (laughs) maybe this is woke (laughs) woke commander (laughs) i think i should just quickly say at this point that um if you can hear some purring in the background that's our our special guest uh niles the cat Um, we haven't
0: been invaded by kilrathi no he took a good big interest in this movie so generally with this film it becomes a bit of a blur as to what's happening and why and in a way it sort of reflects the format of the games in that you have a bit of cutscene exposition then you hop into your cockpit fly around and do a mission and then you go back to base and then fly around and do a mission and back to base and it seems like the film It's it's One's attention wavers and then ultimately is lost
1: I feel feel like we might be doing our listeners a bit of a disservice Because I suppose we should be paying attention to whether or not They're on a
0: training mission
1: or an active mission They seem to sort of just bleed together a little bit One of
0: the characters uh, which is introduced in the mess hall is Forbes Mm. And Rosie Forbes, who I don't think it's mentioned in the film but I think her call sign, according to Wikipedia, mm-hmm. anyway, is Sister Sassy. <laughs> no, she's just called Rosie all the time. Yeah, which um,
1: um, it would have made. I mean, to spoil it, she di- she ends up dying. It would have made the the end her, her death rather bizarre if he was going Sister Sassy,
0: <laughs> get a medic, Sister Sassy. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically. Forbes, uh, Sister Sassy, Rosie, and Marshall um, take an instant liking to each other, which mm. is sort of baffling. I mean, I can kind of see, like, Forbes, she's kind of pretty cool and mm-hmm. interesting, but um, apart from the fact that he has a bottle of scotch, I don't see really much that's appealing about Marshall. But You, you need more than a bottle of scotch. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, maybe I'd, she's been I'd in do, space a long time. Do for like time. a glass of sculpture, um... <laughs> but anyway, what's what's kind of strange is that they just—I guess they're out on a training mission or something. But it seems like they yeah. just basically take their spaceships out for a jog. Yes, into 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 space mm-hmm. and, and then walk and then fly around to try and impress each other, and then land in the dock. Almost like killing um, uh, ground crew just all for a giggle, and so yeah. they could impress each other with how many barrel rolls
1: they could mm. do. Well, have you heard the expression "live fast, die young"? Doesn't mean and you're ta- the one dying. Yeah. <laughs> it means and take out a few people, in <laughs> to the take out a few young people. <laughs> um, I did really love the guy in the control room as as maniac um, does barrel rolls into the um, landing deck. The kind of control booth does a. Reminded me very much of Alan Partridge watching someone score a goal. He went, shit! (laughs) At the top of his lungs. Um, In a very odd way. So yes, I I don't see anything actually odd about their relationship because they're just young kids full of spunk. Um...
0: But no, okay, it's more more just how it's very instant. Mm. It's just like from naught to sexy. (laughs) <laughs> in just a few minutes. So, mm. yeah, because Rosie is then talking later with Angel about how flying together with um, Maniac was better than sets. Really? And then saying mm. afterwards, better than sets with myself. Mm. <laughs> I'm down on the film mostly, but there are some kind of flashes of interest. And I think. That's for
1: the poster <laughs> flashes of interest. <laughs>
0: But, and I think part of that, part of one of the interesting strands is that relationship. I don't necessarily buy it, but I think it adds a little bit of an extra dimension to it. It doesn't feel like a very stereotypical, Mm. um, it doesn't feel as forced perhaps as, say, how at the very end, Devereux and Mm. Blair make out. Yeah, Blair kisses his superior
1: officer, which yeah. I've discovered you shouldn't do um, unless you've been asked to. <laughs> Maybe you should cut that bit. I've never been in the Space Air Force ever. You've that's never a... been in the Space Air Force? No, that's a lot. You haven't lived.
0: Yeah, so I did like that and I think part of that is down to particularly the performance from the actress playing Forbes, who... Did you look up their name?
1: No, I like to imagine she's really... (laughs) She really is Rosie uh, Sister Sassy. Rosie Um, Sister Sassy Forbes. Yeah. yeah.
0: They have some interesting... As as we mentioned, gender equality, and I think they give her a lot of character, Hmm. and she's talked about as being one of the best pilots and and referred to in in those terms. And I... Yeah, so that was something... Hmm. Tangible, yeah. Um, about the
1: movie. Speaking of people and other things, Hugh Quarshie had an interesting year.
0: Yes, <laughs> must have
1: been an interesting year for him. The Phantom Menace ties yes. are strong with this one. Mm. If you if you don't know who Hugh Quarshie is, um, he plays uh, Queen Amadala's head of security in. Is it Holby City? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, in the in the Phantom Menace. And um but then same year he's um on this uh, cheap and cheerful Tiger Claw Bridge in uh Wing Commander.
0: Which do you think I I presume he filmed Phantom Menace first? What? If only because I imagine that the special effects for Phantom Menace took longer than the special effects of the Wing Commander. Well
1: can you would you'd automatically assume that he would can be would feel more fondly towards the bigger budget version, but if I recall he did not have a fun time doing the Phantom Menace, which is why he no. was um rather unceremoniously replaced by an almost a man so similar looking that even though he has an eye patch, people still get confused that it's different characters. Mm,
0: but we know the Quash when
1: we see him. <laughs> no, exactly. Um but yeah, you know. Um, what's
0: what's peculiar about his character is that he's I guess head of communications. They refer to him as communications, but then he's also asked to plot a course, Mm. and then he's basically flying the ship, I think, or the (laughs) vessel at at one point. Are they really so strapped for staff that they have to
1: double up? I feel like we might have put a button on the relationship between Rosie
0: and Matthew Lillard. They have a dogfight. Yep, with some Kilrathi spaceships. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of the dogfight kind of sequences? Generally, there's mm-hmm. a lot of little spaceships flying around, mm. shooting things.
1: Well, but not as much as you think for a game called uh, a film called Wing Commander and being based on um, those games. There's, I, th- I think, that's more a, a budgetary reason because this film. Well, it felt like a lot for me. <laughs> well. Again, I think I read that it cost over a hundred million dollars to make *Phantom Menace*, and this was maybe thirty million, or thereabouts. And so, you know, it's that's, that's not entirely fair to compare. Um, but no, I quite like the the spaceship sequences when they eventually arrive, which is more like an hour in. Uh,
0: maybe it's because I really like
1: *Thunderbirds*,
0: and they like and they very much reminded
1: me of like models flying around. I mean, obviously, well,
0: I actually switched off. Whenever they went in in their spaceships. That was the bit I was looking for. That was the bit I enjoyed the most, I think. Uh, I just felt (laughs) they were really... There were some sequences which were pretty hard to follow. I mean... Where they were, what they were shooting at, and why. Sorry. It makes me sound like a dunderhead, but I just lost interest. Maybe I lost interest in the human stuff, and then by the time the space stuff happened, then I was even less interested. But to me, I was... a. I just preferred seeing human beings not wearing stupid helmets talking to each other on a spaceship set. I mean, it, again, it
1: boggles my mind that this film came out after Independence Day, which did the shtick. It came out after the Star Wars, you know, after Star Wars, after the Star Wars nineteen ninety seven CGI edition. With yeah, there the special were quite edition. a
0: few space films at the time. There are Lost in Space. Yes, um, movie, so, think, <laughs> even as well. even as I'm sort of saying... Fifth Element, the Kilrathi is sort of a mm. little bit like the kind of... Uh, what are they called in the Fifth Element? Those big tersely things. Like the ogre...
1: Oh, thing. yes, sorry, no, the... Um... Oh, God. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. oh, God, I've got... they're on the tip of my tongue. But, you know, still not... still better than what we get here. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, even though I'm singing the praises of um, these... Uh, space sequences i um again it does boggle my mind that these these this came out not in the late 80s or early 90s it came out at the very end of the 20th century a lot of the on foot action we mentioned it earlier with the uh, black hole but there's also a sequence where an airlock splits open and everyone is like being sucked towards it they're filmed in such a lumpen way that I felt no tension. And so compared to the flying around bits where you've got the camera shaking around at least in in and a, uh, spe- a bit of fireworks happening, there should be nothing scarier than someone being sucked out into space. That's actually my number one fear. The worst way I could ever possibly die is being sucked into space. So I, I don't think there's a good chance of that happening to me, but I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be just my luck if I get, if that's how I die. But yeah, that
0: I, that sequence is pretty... Poorly,
1: just flat, flatly shots. Yeah, my mind casts back to um, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan, which, although it's one of the best uh, science fiction films ever made, it's, it's also obviously a space combat film, as like submarines and space tracking each other, that sort of jazz. But it's also shot very much on a cheap, on only being on a handful of very small sets and despite this you still get a sense that you're inside of a massive vessel being pounded by enemy fire and all it takes is just a dynamic camera a lot of stuff happening in front of the frame like um, there's sequences in star trek the Khan where they're getting torpedoes out of their tubes and just just it gives you a sense of this is a military vessel and i just i just never got the sense they were on anything but sets and and the camera work didn't really help, sadly. So that's why I quite like the spaceship bits, the, the fighter bits, because mm. the camera moved a little bit.
0: Well, they managed, they succeed in their mission, they're called back to base, but Maniac and Forbes decide to have a bit more fun and kill a few more alien space cats. Mm. Um, Maniac does some foolhardy kind of plain chicken with a Kilrathi fighter um, and in the process uh, sends the kil- the Kilraffy fighter that he shot into the path of mm. Forbes. So he basically kills her, does he?
1: Yeah,
0: basically. Well, renders her ship inoperable, and he tries to tractor her back to base, but she... Can't pull her nose up in time. Mm. Um, last thing she says was, I like it when you talk dirty, because mm. she thinks that uh, <laughs> Sure, she's trying to make fun of some innuendo about I'm trying to get you in. I'm trying to get it in, uh, trying to get it in. You know what, though? If, if I have last words as good as that, I'll be happy. Rosie crashes. Maniac wants to try and rescue her, but she's she... trapped behind mm. an airlock, probably dead.
1: He tries to run out into the vacuum of space to help her.
0: Well, he says he'd get a spacesuit first.
1: We watched some of the film with subtitles because it's easier to take notes and watch the film with subtitles. And the subtitles for a good couple of minutes was "get a get a medic, get help, get a medic, get help, get a suit, get medic, get help, get a suit." <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, there's something wrong with the DVD. All these stunts they did was in direct violation of angel angel's orders the wing commander told them not to do this shit and they did and she angel pulls a gun on maniac and says in a time of war treason such as this is punishable by death and freddie prince junior jumps to the rescue and says he's a good guy and i was thinking is he though <laughs> What? Where is the proof? He has been from beginning, from the very moment we meet him, where he accidentally f- flies a spaceship into a black hole, and well,
0: he he yeah he ups the speed of the spaceship when he was told deliberately not to. Yes, he's a liability. Not,
1: not there's nothing to demonstrate. I can't think of anything he does where he's good. I mean, when he's in the bedroom with Rosie, where we we meet them post coitus
0: when he calls the refractory period a chance to refuel. Yeah.
1: Well she very much asks for him to give her a bit more attention while he refuels and he flat out says no. <laughs> <laughs> I view him as a bit of a knob. And, you know, I thought the film would have become a bit more interesting if
0: he was shot. He should be the wise cracking, hot headed, roguish guy you love to hate guy you love to hate or at least you know there's the straight guy and the guy who's just like hey cut me some slack but he just comes across as annoying and useless
1: what's your favorite Matthew Lillard role because remember the Freddie Prince Jr and Matthew Lillard will star together again in
0: Scooby-Doo and Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed mm. was there a third one No
1: (laughs) Was he in Twin Peaks? Am I remembering this right?
0: Yes, Lillard has had a bit of a renaissance Mm. He was in the recent Twin Peaks The Return Yeah, And he was pretty good in that Because Mm. he was playing someone very upset and damaged Mm. And screaming and crying (laughs) Was he
1: crying crying for a medic (laughs) throughout the film? He was also in
0: The Descendants The Alexander Payne movie with George Mm. Clooney Oh, and yes. that was a bit of a subdued performance, mm. but it was it was pretty good. And yeah. he, can, he can act. I and, mean, you know, he he works very well at the time and, like, scream. Yeah, I was going to say, so he
1: worked, his character works with a scream. But you're right, perhaps if his character had some sort of a redeeming quality... I mean, I was stumbling over my words earlier, but the film expects you to like him... Um, because he's just, he's one of the
0: quote-unquote good guys, but he's just a bit of a twat in my view. Yeah, the film wants you to like him, but offers nothing yeah. to suggest why you should. Did you think that she was going to shoot him? Uh, no, <laughs> no, but, not in a million years. But you, until I sort of said to you, while oh, oh. we're watching it, oh, well, she's going to die about Rosie. Yeah. You sort of said... Oh, I wouldn't have thought that unless you mentioned it, but it was just no. the film set it up so clearly, but no, I mean, maybe you just sort of really caught up in her character and no one else's.
1: No, that's true. I mean, the music took a dark turn, and then Rory asked if uh, I thought she was going to die, and then,
0: yeah, so you spoiled it <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> just ease it in, girl. I love it when you talk dirty.
1: In that old submarine!
0: Get a medic and a breakfast dude, stack. No. Is he? Hey, give me a medic. Give me a medic! Give me a- Hey, someone give me a rescue crow! Give me a rescue cloud! Give me a medic out! Give me a medic! I mean, other stuff that happens they have to get a fuel cell and they try and steal one Mm -hmm. from a Kilrathi ship. Yeah,
1: they hide inside an asteroid um, crater and then the Kilrathi start systematically bombing the craters and one of the crew of the human ship says, methodical bastards. Like, that's a Bad thing, you know. It sort of it sort of implies that the humans do just don't have any methods. They're just crazily careening around the galaxy, doing whatever the shit they want.
0: They storm this vessel, and we get a little bit of people wearing their shiny red suits yep. you love so much, yep. and
1: shooting, I guess, green jack o' lanterns designed. In-
0: yeah, it's it's very odd. They so we are on board the Kilrathi vessel, and it's just pea soupy kind of green and smoke. Of smoke and it's we... like
1: it's like an illegal rave <laughs> yeah
0: and we see the kill properly i guess for the first time they've got glowing green eyes mm. and every time they get shot they sort of just fall backwards like there's no one in the costume
1: almost like they don't want to damage their their three one... costumes <laughs> yes. that they
0: that they have.
1: Why it's... don't why don't the Kilrathi... they the Kurathi, they they hiss like a reptilian alien, not like a cat, which I thought was a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, and I mean... it, what's another missed opportunity is Blair is on board the Kiraathi vessel shooting them, and then one Kiraathi appears and they get their claws out, and you think mm. oh, there's going to be some sort of fist fight, but no, he just. Shoots them. Yeah. And later on, we actually hear them communicate and speak, and it's subtitled, but then they also do the subtitles in Kilrathi script, mm. which is then replaced by English script, yeah. and it's sort of like, why? Yeah, do we care?
1: <laughs> I think I read somewhere that a problem, the reason why the Kilrathi ended up how in this film how, looking the way they did was partly due to the sets being built in advance of the creature designs did you see this so in the games the korathia are hulking massive monsters but i don't think i don't know if they intended to just port to just bring the creatures from the video games over to the film but apparently there was some issue with the creature effects in the film which caused all the actors to have to hunch over and look even worse so i wonder if there was like a major redesign of the of the aliens but yeah they they look really embarrassing i um Uh, It must have been a depressing day in the editing suite (laughs) when they were trying to sort of try to make them look halfway decent or threatening.
0: Why didn't we put more smoke in the spaceship? Basically, to cut to the chase, they managed to destroy a bunch of Kilrathi vessels. There's a big kind of sea battle style Mm -hmm. almost encounter. They managed to get rid of most of the destroyers, but one Kilraffy vessel makes it through the jump to get to Earth hmm. space.
1: How is that one destroyed? I mean, we they, watched. Well,
0: what they do is they Just give. Sorry to interrupt. We watched this. We
1: finished watching this film about an hour ago. We yes. should. We should
0: remember this. No, actually, what happens is that <laughs> they need someone who is able, capable to make the jump to Earth space through the portal. That one is Blair because he is a pilgrim or part pilgrim and mm. pilgrims have the ability to just navigate space He's like just pros. a Grimm, like John Grimm. Reaper. Like
1: Reaper. There's our connections.
0: <laughs> that was a hard pilgrim to swallow. <laughs> oh, dear me. He jumps through the jump, but he... Uh, Also, the Kilraffy Destroyer follows him, but then he breaks out. He navigates out of the way of the portal <laughs> in time for them to smash into the portal and explode.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not exactly the Death Star being destroyed, is it? It's not a fist-pumpet-punch-into-the-air it, moment. It's
0: basically, they give chase... They follow, but then he does some cool manoeuvre mm. and the Kilraffy's spaceship can't handle it. And yeah. They all explode. The goodies win. Uh, Angel,
1: um, during the conflict, ended up in an escape pod and is brought down to the hangar, looking absolutely fine, but everyone thinks she's near death.
0: Yeah, she said, well, it's because she's been out with lacking not she's been out in space mm. for about an hour and she could be running out of oxygen
1: mm. i mean when she when she's blasted into space in her escape pod uh, blair goes up to her in his spacecraft and asks how she's doing and she says i may not be dancing for a while and i
0: was like what <laughs> her legs are absolutely fine or since when did dancing become a personality a character trait yeah she doesn't dance once in the film very old thing
1: to say But the the oddest thing to say is the last line of the film.
0: Yes, they get Devereaux back to the hangar.
1: She gets kissed by her inferior officer. Even though, yes, everyone thinks she's completely fucked up, but she's not. She's been kissed. She's been given the kiss of life by Blair. And the last line of the film is. I think a medic off camera. The medic's finally arrived after Matthew Lillard's been shouting.
0: Oh, no, wait. Also, we must mention the cameo from the director. Oh,
1: yes. So Matthew, not Matthew Lillard, um, Blair has destroyed the Kaurafi vessel. He's hanging in space. And then a spacecraft flies up. And there's a curiously long shot of the guy flying the spaceship. And I went, who the fuck is? what, What did I say?
0: I think you just said sort of, who's that guy? <laughs> and I, you just turned to me and I sat there stroking my chin going, hmm, I wonder. Who do you think? And it gotten... was the director. Yeah. Glorified cameo. Yes. The director and creator of Wing Commander saves the hero. Yeah. <laughs> He's not the hero of the movie. The hero of his own name. He saves the hero of the movie. Mm. He's even better than the hero. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those weird
1: cameos. Um, like you get in 24 where Stephen and ha- just The camera hangs On the cameo person just a little bit Too long and you're like what is yeah. this guy
0: Lingers on a rando And it's just mm. like clearly they Directed the mm. movie the, This film ends with one of those
1: Classic action movie uh, Crane shots where the Camera pulls out and you see our heroes Walk away into the distance but rather saying something like, um, gosh, I'm just trying to think of some good ending lines for a film. I bet you can get one off the top of your head.
0: I'm having an old friend
1: for dinner. Perfect. <laughs> that would have been a good ending for this <laughs> film. <laughs> no, rather than like a classic line like that, um, a medic whiskers, whispers to a perfectly
0: healthy lady. Um, just after she's been kissed.
1: Yeah, we should get her to sick bay.
0: Music swells. <laughs> Credits roll.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh! What a what a limp way to end a film. I mean, you've got it's not it's not your medal giving ceremony. It's not like well, oh,
0: this is the start of a beautiful friendship. No, it's
1: like, <laughs> we should get you to sick bay.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sort of implies that she's just contracted something from kissing Blair mm. or Blair kissing her. But also, it's just such a sort of yeah. Nothing ending. It's just like, I guess Earth has been saved, but we don't see Earth once in the movie. No,
1: there's no stakes, no, no enemies. Lots of
0: people celebrating and cheering with no. fireworks on the home planet. No, no Ewatt song. No
1: David Warner with a single tear rolling down his cheek <laughs> because humanity has been saved. Oh well, that was Wing Commander. It was Wing Commander. I'm st- I'm still f- trying to work out what I felt about it. What did
0: what did you think of the film yourself? I found it boring. Mm. There really isn't much to it. It just sort of happens in front of you and there are some redeeming features. Mm. There's just some points of interest. I I don't think it's very well handled, but there's something interesting, as I said, about the pilgrims and this kind of quasi... Uh, what is it? It's not faith, it's genetics, mm. baby. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, there's the... something sort of interesting in that kind of area. I mean, again, do you think they just want to
1: have sort of a like a Luke with the Force type feel, bloodline May- type situation? Maybe,
0: but I, I don't think it, it might have invoked that, but I don't think... It played it in the same way so it still felt a little bit different mm. i think there's some interesting character stuff going but i think it's behind the characters mm. or it's it's about the characters i don't think that's really apart from with the forbes character sold through the performances the pr- the three principles
1: mm-hmm.
0: they're not necessarily bad performances or bad actors but they're just blank slates
1: Yes, there was a lot of shots of Freddie Prince Jr. with his wide eyes of terror, and um,
0: yeah, he's not just very interesting or funny, and the whole the only real dimension to his character is this sort of pilgrim mm. stuff, but that really just doesn't really add a huge mm. amount. It's like I said, it's an interesting idea, but it's just so heavily ladled on, particularly Mm. with the Jürgen Prochnow character. He was like
1: a a parody racist, wasn't he? Yeah,
0: just every line he says is not that half-breed, that (laughs) half-pilgrim, that, you know, and it's just, it's not tough going in the sense that it's actively awful, but it's just so nondescript, and I think I would probably rather just watch fmvs from the original games just because there is a seemingly a bit more color a bit more
1: (sighs) yeah i mean those fmv sequences are certainly very stilted partly because it's all loading off the cd but also it's a little bit soap opery and things but um maybe just better actors bottom line because you do even though they are maybe slumming it or they're they're also getting a, a, a meal ticket um i think you just get more gravitas from mark hamill uh, John Rhys-Davies, um, uh, Malcolm McDowell, and a, a big cuddly lion creature. <laughs> I'm trying to work out if I would rather watch this or The Phantom Menace, because they both came out in this within a few months of each other. And I will say I would much prefer to watch The Phantom Menace. Um, yes, I would agree this is difficult to recommend as we've said before we're celebrating video game movies we are fans of quote unquote bad movies and we don't think a film's quality per se uh, a quote-unquote quality necessarily means you don't enjoy it Um, but I would agree that this film just sort of sits there and um, the action apart from like I mean, when I was defending the space fight sequences earlier, the, the space battle stuff earlier, that is, the I feel, the highlight in a very average
0: uh, film, I think. But I don't think the space battle sequences are any better than your average Star Trek episode, space n- battle, no. or Babylon 5, or or anything.
1: No, um, yeah, I mean, perhaps a shot a little bit better in, in those things you mentioned, but...
0: But like The Phantom Menace, it's a film in which the original creator um, made the new version or, or the adaptation of the movie. And again, I much like Star Wars fans didn't get on with The Phantom Menace, I, I don't see how Wing Commander fans would necessarily get on with this movie. The changes it makes are not necessarily for the better. Mm. And I feel like it's quite hard to adapt a video game which already has as part of it quote-unquote cinematic mm. sequences it's a lot easier to adapt something which isn't so obviously already jammed with cutscenes with actual live actors
1: i do wonder if given the budget of the phantom menace uh, chris robert's might have been able to create something truly epic and awe-inspiring because I do see the potential in the video games, in the cutscenes from uh, Wing Commander 3 and 4. I guess we'll never know what could have been.
0: I feel like um, th- there was a Wing Commander animated TV series All right. called Wing Commander Academy, oh. uh, which featured the original voice casts of Mark Hamill, Malcolm McDowell, all sorts of things. If Wing Commander, as an idea, were to be in any way adapted, it would probably work best as a mini-series mm. or something, you know...
1: We, I think we're saying this a lot, aren't we, where I think everyone likes long-form fo- uh, storytelling of a big-budget HBO show.
0: I'm not saying it necessarily needs that, but um. clearly there's lots of ideas and there's lots of fans out there who enjoy the games, and not just because of the gameplay, clearly the cutscenes and the story are a huge part of that. That's why there are so many spin-offs and ancillary products about the Wing Commander universe. So there's potentially still an appetite for that, as is the case with the crowdfunding with Star Citizen. So I think maybe a mini series wouldn't be the better way to adapt that then clearly a movie has done because I just don't see why anyone would really need to see this movie it Mm. just does nothing for for fans and and non-fans alike
1: Mm. there you have it um I I don't think you need to see this film guys (laughs) and girls
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think I guess
1: I guess even if you're a fan and you're curious do you think it's worth seeing
0: it just seems redundant. Mm.
1: I guess Wing Commander was very much based on films like Star Wars. And so if you want to watch something, a, f- a film version of Wing Commander, there's quite a few good Star Wars films now, things like Rogue One and stuff. So if
0: you want to get your spaceship kicks. Maybe that's the way to go. And maybe even just, what? you know, play Mass Effect games or, mm. or watch Um, The Expanse, or watch Battlestar Galactica, or watch Star Trek Discovery. I mean... Hot tip, watch something else. Yeah, you're you're (laughs) well served uh, in those departments, I think. So, um, now we've finished talking
1: about Wing Commander, we're going to talk about something else with wings. Some (gasps) angry things with wings. What a
0: segue. I
1: know, pretty good, isn't it? We are going to tackle Angry Birds the movie or is it the angry birds movie
0: i think it is the angry birds movie brilliant
1: um have you played the angry birds video games
0: i have played um at least the first one for a bit i didn't play angry birds star wars no spin-off so there's another tenuous link to mm. wing commander and its ilk
1: um if you want to get in touch with the podcast uh, rory has all the details
0: Yes, you can email us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com Tell us how wrong or right we were with Wing Commander. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash gamesonfilmpod uh, twitter.com slash gamesonfilmpod You can follow and like both Of those social media outlets because we post all kinds of silly gubbins and Mm. gifts and stupid videos and all that junk. And the occasional
1: interesting article relating to video game movies.
0: Oh, yes. Also really quality good stuff, too. Yes. You can follow me on Twitter at Rory Steele.
1: Uh, My Twitter
0: handle is at OnlyManWhoCan. And all episodes of the podcast are available on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash gamesonfilmpod. Acast, Player FM, iTunes.
1: Yeah, about iTunes, it'd be really good if you could leave us a nice five star review, which I'm sure you've heard a lot on podcasts lately. I'm sure
0: the cast and crew of Wing Commander (laughs) would have wanted a five star review. (laughs) Yeah, if we could beat.
1: Currently, we have zero ratings. If we get maybe three star rating on iTunes, would would beat uh, (laughs) Wing Commander? But seriously, you know, we appreciate you listening this long. All the support is really useful, helps us get seen and get people to notice us. Um, and hopefully we'll get more video game movie fans listening.
0: Yes, and thanks also to David Lightfoot for the music.
1: <clears throat> All that's left for me to say is uh,
0: I'm Harry Steele. I'm Rory Steele, and thank you very much for listening. You are the wind beneath our wings. <laughs>